We are actually here uh, at the Israel Museum, and uh, we're going to what's called the Shrine of the Book, and that's where they house the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Aleppo Codex, and um, so it's actually, you know, one of the most important things in the Israel Museum. It's actually right here at the front, and it's got this elaborate fountain and whole elaborate setup here, and, and one of the themes here is they've got this black wall, and they've got this white, um, like dome type thing, uh -huh. and that and that's supposed to represent in the, one of the themes of the Dead Sea Scrolls. One of the scrolls is called the War of the Sons of Light and the Sons of Darkness, and so th this is like an artistic representation of this darkness and light. Uh -huh. And then this also th this thing here, this dome. Um, so this is actually, do you, or what do you think that's supposed to represent? Well, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like a. Um it, it kind of looks like some kind of hat or, or an igloo or something, I don't know. So it's actually supposed to be the cover of the jar in which they found the first Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, really? Yeah, and you'll actually see a real one down there in the museum. And uh, so this is artistically representing that. So actually the scrolls are underneath this dome. So oh, they actually are. They actually are underneath. So this is actually covering the current um, earthenware jar, if you will, of this, you know, where the scrolls are kept. They were originally kept in this jar and now it's not a jar, it's a, you know, a shrine or building. Are we going in there? We are going in there. We're going to okay. go down into the depths through, back through time. The entrance to the shrine of the book. Okay, so we're going into this building now, which is underneath the artistic representation of light and dark. Thank you, my friend. Oh, wow, this is really impressive. Okay, so can we describe this for the listeners? Okay, so we're, we're standing here at the entrance, and what we see is a long, dark tunnel. Not so long, but a dark tunnel. And it's supposed to represent the caves in which they found the scrolls. And there's different things on display on either side. Um, and we'll actually go through and look at some of those. But before that, they've got some pictures here of some of the early days of the scrolls. This is the Bedouin man who found the scrolls. And the common popular story is that he was looking for a lost sheep and uh, he followed the sheep into a cave and found these scrolls. Or one version of it is he threw a rock in and it broke a jar and he's like, what's a jar doing in there? And he found the scrolls and, and he was an illiterate Bedouin and so he said, oh, here's leather and he sold them to a shoemaker. You're That's, kidding. No, I'm not kidding. And many of the scrolls were in the hands of that shoemaker. Or actually, the shoemaker sold them to... Um, an antiquities dealer. Another version that's come out more recently is that actually he was looking for scrolls. Um, but it's clear he didn't know what they were worth because he uh -huh. sold them for peanuts. Right. So this is, for example, the, the second Isaiah scroll. And this is what it looked like when they found it. It was all bundled up. Yeah. And the technology to open it up wasn't so straightforward. Um, they really had to you know, do some serious stuff to it. So he, here, it says, explains here that... <laughs> They eventually were purchased for $97.20 by the Syrian Orthodox Church. And the reason that they sold it to the Syrian Orthodox Church is that the people who found these scrolls couldn't read them. And one of the people in Bethlehem said, oh, that looks like Syriac, which is the Aramaic dialect used by Christians. Mm -hmm. And of course, it doesn't look like Syriac if you know how to read Hebrew sure. and Syriac. But if you're illiterate, then, you know, it could be. Who knows? Mm. The problem the Syrian, the Syrian church had was that um, this was an antiquity that they bought from, you know, from a Bedouin. And uh, during Israel's War of Independence, 
that where they lived, Bethlehem and that area, came under the rule of the Jordanians. Right. And they were afraid the Jordanians were going to take this scroll, these scrolls away from them. So they eventually put an ad in the New York Times, and they've got a copy of it over here. And they were offering to sell the scrolls. <laughs> I mean, this, this is one of the greatest pieces of the story. Let's see, here it is. This is, this is what the ad originally said. It was, um, let's see, I believe it was the New York Times. Oh, no, the Wall Street Journal. The four Dead Sea Scrolls, biblical manuscripts dating, this is an ad in the Wall Street Journal from 1954. Biblical manuscripts dating back to at least 200 B.C. are for sale. This would be an ideal gift to an educational or religious institution by any individual or group. And eventually they were bought by the state of Israel for $250,000. Oh, my goodness. So that Bedouin who sold them for, you know, like a few bucks. Not even $100. Right. Well, no, that was the second sale was for $97. That He sold them to an antiquities dealer who then sold them on to the Syrian church. <laughs> So he probably got like 20 bucks or something. And eventually they were sold to two, for $250,000. Now that was half the scrolls. The other half of the scrolls were actually, there were originally um, seven scrolls, or really six because one was broken in half, um, that were sold, half of them were sold to, um, um, to, the, you know, to the Syrian Orthodox Church, who then sold them to the state of Israel. The other half, during Israel's War of Independence, were sold to Professor Eliezer Sukanik, who is the head of archaeology at Hebrew University. And the story is that he was like, during, during the fighting and shooting as the war was breaking out, he was meeting secretly with these Arabs to buy these scrolls and um, eventually got them. And so now they've all been brought together here under one roof. And that's where we are. Okay, so we're going to go down this tunnel. So this, this is a very interesting thing for me because the title here is... Um, the true calendar. Uh, well, it's interesting. In English, it says the true calendar. In Hebrew, it says sod minyan yamim, which means the secret of counting the days, um, which I think is how the Essenes saw it. The, uh, the Essenes, or whoever wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's usually assumed they're the Essenes, they had a different calendar than the rest of the Jews. And that, the first hint of that came from the Habakkuk Pesher. Uh, it was a commentary in the book of Habakkuk. And what they would do is they'd go through the book of Habakkuk, which is one of the lesser-known prophets, mm -hmm. And one of those tiny little books kind of like stuck there in, you know, somewhere in the middle of your Bible yeah. you can't really find. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's talking about, actually, Habakkuk is originally talking about Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the Babylonian invasion. But the people at, at Qumran, the Essenes, they said, well, I mean, what's the relevance for today? And they interpreted those things as referring to their leader, who they called the teacher of righteousness. And so they would take a verse which you know, had something to do with Nebuchadnezzar, and they'd say, oh, this refers to this or that in the life of the teacher of righteousness. And one of the things um, that they refer to in the Peshach Habakkuk is a certain verse refers to the wicked priest attacking the teacher of righteousness on the day of his Yom Kippur. Now, the wicked priest was, scholars realized, referred to the high priest who was actually king under the Hasmonean rule. The high priest doubled as king, and he apparently attacked this group, um, the, the Essenes or whoever they were, um, and attacked their teacher of righteousness on the teacher of righteousness's day of Yom Kippur. And that was discovered back in the, in the early 50s, late 40s, and they realized, wait a minute, the Essenes must have had a different calendar. Well, nobody knew what that calendar was for sure, really until the 1990s when other scrolls were, were published. Wow. And they realized that it's a 364-day calendar, uh, it's basically the calendar of the Book of Jubilees, um, and it, uh, every year begins on a Wednesday, and the idea of their calendar is um, 
every year begins on a Wednesday, and 364 is divisible by 7. And so every holiday will always be on the same day of the week. Now the problem with that calendar is that um, a solar year is actually 365 and a quarter days. Mm. And it wouldn't take very long for there to be a huge buildup of days that would throw the calendar off. Mm. And no one knows for sure, was this calendar ever really used? Like, I mean, they must have noticed in a hundred years that the calendar is six months off, like mm. five months off. I mean, because eventually seasonal drift would have taken exactly. hold and they would have been experiencing. And the problem with that is that you have feasts like the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Chagamatzot, which is a harvest festival, mm. and Shavuot's a harvest festival, and Sukkot is the ingathering festival mm. at the end of the, all the agricultural activities before you, you plant your new crop. So they would have figured out real quick this is wrong. Well, no, one theory is that they maybe had a leap year like we have in our calendar. In the, in the Hebrew calendar, there's a leap year. Every two or three years, you add a 13th month. Well, they couldn't add a month because it has to be divisible by seven. Mm. So one theory is maybe they added a leap week, and we don't know for sure, but this artifact is really interesting. It is, um, it looks like a sundial. And they it, does, it does, I was just about to say. kind of your sundial question mark, because they don't know for sure. It kind of reminds me, Nehemiah, of the, um, the Mayan calendar, right? I mean... So it's definitely, it's a circular disc, and it has a bunch of little, little incremental lines, and it's possible they use this um, sundial to, um, you know, to reset their calendar and add a leap week, maybe. So they say here, um, you know, the secret of the counting of the days, and they suggest that maybe this had something to do with, with resetting the calendar to coordinate it with the, um, with the solar cycle. We don't know for sure. My question is, if it's a sundial, a real sundial mm. has to be um, inclined to the angle uh, of where you are on Earth. Yeah. So I forget Israel's like 34 degrees or something, so it has to be, if I'm not mistaken, at a 34 degree angle. Sure. And actually the Romans realized this when they took as, as booty um, in the Carthaginian, uh, in the Punic Wars, they captured a sundial at Carthage and brought it back to Rome and it didn't work. And they, and they realize, wait a minute, and, and then one of the ancient Roman authors writes about this. He says, wait, you, you can't take a sundial from one country and bring it to another if it's set in stone. Well, this one seems to be flat, which suggests to me it's probably not a sundial. So it's a little bit concave, though, isn't it? Um, a, little a little bit. But, I mean, here's how they suggest that maybe it worked. I don't know. Maybe they put it like, uh, who knows? So it's about a half foot uh, in diameter. <laughs> and uh, a circular disc. It's got some um, uh, markings all the way around it. It has um, uh, chiseled out circles inside, all the way down to the center. Uh, okay, so it's a curious. Yeah, it's a curious thing. And what's important to me is that the Essenes make it very clear that that they have this, you know, quote, secret calendar, and it even says that there, the secret calendar, and that they're they don't accept the calendar of the rest of the Jews that's observed in the temple. Now, we know the Jews in the temple, there was a dispute between the rabbis and the priests um, over who had the authority to um, proclaim the new moon, but they yep. didn't dispute that it was the new moon. Um, whereas, you know, this group, they were, you know, they basically rejected the Jerusalem temple and had their own calendar. Now, it's interesting, there was a scholar named uh, Jobert, who in the 1950s, um, and this was before anyone knew for sure what the Essene calendar was, but she... She actually figured it out, a uh, French scholar, and she, uh, she had this hypothesis that, um, that, you know, there's this famous problem in the four Gospels that some of them have Jesus having the, um, the Last Supper as the Passover, 
and then other one have have him as the Passover. And so she suggested, well, maybe it was the two different calendars exactly between, if I'm not mistaken, John and the other three Gospels. It's an interesting hypothesis. It is. It is. Moving on.